beautiful testimony behind that song. I want you to take your Bibles, go to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, one more time. A woman and a lawyer were seated next to each other on a flight from Los Angeles to New York. A very long flight. Very daunting task of getting up early, getting to the airport, getting checked in, going through security. Finally, the lady got to her seat. She was exhausted. and She finds herself sitting next to this rather talkative lawyer. The lawyer was very energetic and kind of bored, so he wanted to entertain himself. So he looked at the lady sitting next to him who was so tired, and he asked her if she wanted to play a fun game. Of course, she just really wanted to just roll over and take a nap, put her head against the window and, and, and just, just you know, sleep this flight away. So she politely declined and rolled over to the window to catch a few winks. But the lawyer persisted. He explained that the game is easy and it's going to be a lot of fun. He explained it this way. He said, this is how it goes. He said, I'll ask you a question. And if you don't know the answer, you give me five bucks. And then you ask me a question. And if I don't know the answer, I'll give you five bucks. It's fun. And we can play some trivia and earn a little money. Well, the lady again declined. She was so sleepy. She just said, oh, man, I'm just wore out. Sounds fun, but I'm just going to have to say no. And she turned her head back toward the window. And then he looked at her a few minutes later. He's more and more bored. He's restless. He says, I tell you what. If you ask me a question and I don't know it, I'll give you $500. If I ask you a question and you don't know it, you just pay me five. The lady is laying there. Suddenly she felt intrigued a little bit. It sounded a little better. And she also knew unless she just went ahead and went along, she's never going to get a nap. Got very irritating. So she says, all right, all right, we'll, we'll play for a few minutes. So he says, I go first. She said, all right. He goes, what is the distance between the earth to the moon? The lady looked at him a second, reached down into her purse, got five bucks and handed it to him. She said, I don't know. She said, is it my turn to ask a question? He said, yes. And she said, all right, here it is. What has three legs but can go up a hill and come back with four legs? The man said, huh? She said, what has three legs but can go up a hill and come down with four legs? He thought, huh. He began to ponder the question, think about it. He began to research the question. He even took his credit card, put it on the phone, in the little, little, little plain phone. He called back to his secretary and had her help research it. I mean, he wanted to find out the answer to this question. Finally, after about an hour, he opens up his wallet. He gets five $100 bills out, hands it to the lady. She takes it, puts it in her purse, and then she rolls over and starts to go back to sleep. The man just looks at her. Finally, he shakes her and says, ma'am, what is the answer? She reached down in her purse, got five bucks out, handed it to him, said, I have no idea. <laughs> Went back to sleep, amen. Hey, how do you deal with people that are irritating? You ever have irritating people in your life? Why y'all, some of y'all are looking at me like I'm the answer to that question. Hey, how do you deal with irritating people? Now, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the fact that we must be careful in the work of God because we can offend people. In this instance, there were people who had a strong conviction that there should not ever be meat that had been sacrificed to false gods, eaten and devoured by Christians. They felt that meat was tainted and that it should be non-touched. Sometimes at the market, these people would sell these meats and things and they could get it at a very low price. 
But there were Christians who felt that that was a big no-no, that this meat had been tainted. Well, Paul reasons that we know that there are no false gods, and there's no, nothing that happens to the meat. It doesn't change the meat. It's their vain attempt to appease a God. So we know that it doesn't taint the meat. But he says this, you should not eat it if there's a brother at church that is offended by you eating it. Sacrifice the meat. Don't eat it. Don't touch it. Just pay a little bit more and get other meat. Now, I'm paraphrasing and simplifying, but we read the text there in Romans 14. Basically, that was the argument. And he is saying that before you offend another brother, another Christian, before you become a stumbling block, it would be better for you to never do it. Unfortunately, in church, there are a lot of people out of church today because they have been offended by people in the church. Often, the stumbling block wasn't eating meat sacrificed to idols, but often it was by being a bad example. By maybe being unrighteous. Maybe they became disenchanted by looking at a church member who's living in sin or, or promoting unrighteousness. Maybe it was a pastor. Maybe it was a staff member. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher or somebody who they felt betrayed the position they were holding and they became a stumbling block. And that person stumbled over that person right out of church. Maybe, though, it was the stumbling block of a personality. And as a pastor, I've seen a lot of people get out of church because of the stumbling block of dealing with other church members' irritating personality traits. I had a man tell me one time, he said, Preacher, it's a true story, something that actually happened to me. A man that I had led to Christ, baptized, and had discipled. I spent a lot of time with him. He quit coming to church. I couldn't figure out why, and I thought, man, have I offended him? Have uh, was there something that happened? Finally, after a couple of months of not being able to get him to come back, I just went to go see him, sat in his living room, and we chatted and talked, and very cordial towards me. Finally, I said, brother, what's the matter? I, you haven't been to church in months. What, what's happened? And this is what he said. He said, preacher, I love you, and I love to hear you preach. Now, I'm smart enough to know that there's a big butt coming in here somewhere. Amen. I love you, and I love to hear you preach, and then there it was. But... He said, Preacher, I can't sit in church with some of the people that attend your church. They're irritating. And he listed several things about certain people. And he said, You want to know why I haven't been back to church? He said, That's why. There's just some people in your church that irritate me when I'm around them, and I just don't want to deal with them. Well, I found that to be so unfortunate. And by the way, I found it to be very childish. Because the reality is, you're not going to go anywhere where there's not somebody that's going to irritate you. You're not going to ever go to any gathering of people where there's not going to be somebody there who has a personality that is contrary to yours. Quiet people don't like hyper people. Hyper people don't like quiet people. People with a sense of humor are turned off by serious people. Serious people are really turned off by people who laugh all the time. I mean, literally, no matter where you go, you're very unlikely to find a room where everybody in the room is 100% personality compatible. And you wouldn't expect it in most places. You wouldn't let your kids come home and, and, and drop out of school, I hope, simply because there's people in the class that have a personality different from theirs. I, I hope you wouldn't do that. I hope you're smarter than that. You wouldn't think of coming home, in most cases, and quitting your job because there's one person at work that has a personality that sometimes is abrasive towards you. 
if you did that, where would you ever find a job? How many of you, there's somebody you work with that has a personality that you find abrasive once in a while? How many? Miss Cassie's like, I'm not raising my hand. I'm not falling for that. She says, I work right here at the church, and I'm not about to get into that. The truth of it is, even here at the church, we work together and sometimes get on each other's nerves. Don't say anything, Miss Cassie. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we get frustrated. In any gathering of people, there are people that are irritating to other people. There are many personalities, and some personalities clash. Yet in a church, listen to me, beloved, it is imperative that personalities seek to get along with each other. And there must be unity in a church. God made it clear that his goal for his house is that it be a place of peace. You remember the story of how King David wanted to build the great temple? And it was his vision, his plan, his design. It all came from right here in his mind. God said, David, I love you, and you're a man of my own heart, and I'm going to bless you, David, but I'm not going to let you build the building because you're a man of war. But I'm going to let your son build it. Now, Solomon, David's son, his name literally means peaceful. He was the peaceful one. For 40 years, he reigned over Israel. Israel expanded incredibly, but not through war as it was under David. He never had to fight one single war while he was the king for 40 years of Israel. That's a pretty good run, amen? Well, God allowed Solomon to build the house of God, the beautiful temple, because he was a man of peace. The Bible tells us preachers that we are not to strive with our people. We can't fight with you all week long and then hope to have a sweet, peaceful spirit in our church on Sunday. We can't strive, we can't fight. And beloved church members have got to get along and not strive. And most of the striving is over things that churches experience. Most of the striving that's in the average church are not over the important issues of doctrine, biblical interpretation. A lot of it is simply over personalities. It's people that just simply don't like other people. Sometimes envying and strife can come from, from some of these things as well. But personality plays a big, big part in it. But there must be unity in a church. A church cannot be blessed of God where people are offending each other inside of the church. Now, I want you to understand, I'm going to bring a preventative maintenance message. I shouldn't wait till things are in a mess before we try to fix it. It's always better to get ahead of it, amen? Better get, I think we have a sweet spirit. And I think overwhelmingly we get along with each other. But for me to tell you that you're going to come to Orlando Baptist Temple and not run into somebody once in a while that just rubs you the wrong way, that would be misleading. For you to, to think that sometimes a staff member is going to make a decision that your personality and theirs is going to that's just that is just realistic, that is going to happen. For you to think that you can come to a Sunday school class or come to a program and not you know, have somebody in the class next to you that's just irritating to you, now, the answer is not to drop out of your church or to leave your church. There's a better solution, a more excellent way to handle it. But so often, discord and departure are the two remedies that most people seek when they find irritating people. You can't control several variables about the social environment that you dwell in. And I want you to understand this, and this is hard for people to grasp. Hard, but it's true, and I know it's true about me, and I know it's true about you. You ready for this truth? Sometimes you're the one that's irritated. 
Sometimes you're the one doing the irritating. And that truth applies to all of you all of the time. Sometimes you're the one that walks out irritated. Sometimes everybody else walks out and you are the one that done, done the irritating. That's horrible grammar, but it sure did sound fun to say. Did you pinch that little baby boy there? Joshua. There you are, buddy. Now, irritating people do things or have a presence that causes these things in your life. It causes you to have anxiety. Some people just walk in a room and immediately they cause anxiety. They cause you to get nervous, frustrated, maybe even a little angry. I got some kids that have been leaving. I need an adult to go check into this. And if they're not going to stay, I need them to be taken home. Bus kids, listen, I love y'all coming, but you don't come up here to run around and play all over the buildings. And if you're going to come, you've got to stay in the church. Do we have an understanding here? If you guys want a playground, there's 500 of them in the area. If you want to flirt with boys and girls, go to the mall. We're here to worship God. And, and i got like 10 kids that have left with every word I've said, and, and they're running around somewhere. Brother Ray's not here today either, so... I'm sure they're seeking the opportunity. All right. They're not going to come and sit down. I want them to go home, okay? Just get the van, take them on home. And then we'll, we'll talk to them Saturday about whether or not they need to move forward or not. All right. See, I'm being irritating right now. I mean, if you're saying preacher's irritating. Sometimes people, their very presence causes anger. Self-image problems. You ever notice there's people that just when you're around them, they make you feel bad about yourself? Anybody know somebody like that? They don't really have to try. Just their presence. It just makes you feel bad about yourself. You'll feel pretty until you get around this person. You'll feel confident until you get around this person. You'll feel like you're doing pretty good. But 30 minutes with this person and you, you just feel so defeated. Sometimes there's people that just bring a discomforting environment when they come into a room. They make everybody there feel uncomfortable. Well, listen, every gathering has people that cause these things. And they may not cause it for everybody, but they may cause it for you singularly. How do you deal with it? Let me just throw some things at you that you need to be aware of that can cause irritation in people's lives. Now listen, what I want you to do right now is not think about the people that do this to you. Think about the people whom you may have done this to. Think about any of these areas, how it, it is uh, applicable to your spirit. The first thing that really causes people, and these are in no order of importance, they're just in the way that I brainstormed them, but these are things that I know causes people to be irritated with other people. Number one on my list, in no particular order, is being condescending. Condescending people are very irritating people. Condescending people. You go to church or Sunday school or work or you have a family member that's condescending at every family function, every family get-together. They talk to you like you're stupid. They talk to you like you're ignorant. They talk to you like they pity you. They talk to you in a way that makes you feel little and small. They talk to you like they're smart and you're stupid. That's very irritating. And I see people that are condescending all over the place. I've seen it in church. I've seen it in the youth department when I was growing up. I went to Christian schools, there were certainly kids that were condescending. Kids that were straight-A students would often be condescending to those kids that are struggling to pass certain classes. 
Sometimes we tend to compare where we're strongest to where other people are weak. And that's where condescending spirits can come out. Sarcasm, number two on my list. People that are sarcastic. Sarcasm, to me, can be very cruel at times, although it can be very funny at times. I use a lot of sarcastic-type humor, but one rule I've always understood is, is that it's only funny if both people are laughing. And you have to know who you're cutting up with, and you have to know if they're close enough to you to use sarcasm. In our church office with Miss Jackie and Miss Kalea, my wife and I, Brother Xavier, Miss, uh, Miss uh, 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 all, all of our teachers, they all endure it. But we, we get in there and get to cutting up, and there's a lot of sarcasm. We use a lot of sarcastic joking around. But I'm always aware that you have to use wisdom when you're using sarcasm. And it has to be obviously a joke. It has to be something that when you say it, they know your heart. I fear sometimes that poor choice in humor has caused a lot of people to be hurt. But a lot of people are just mean sarcastic. There's funny sarcastic and just playful sarcastic where you ask somebody a question and they answer you with a sarcastic answer and everybody in the room laughs and you see that it's obviously a, a, just a, a spirit of, of cutting up. But there are people that are just mean and they live to make you feel stupid and they live to constantly seek any opportunity to make you feel little and unimportant. And I think everybody in the room has felt the sting of sarcasm in a bad way. Who's ever felt that? Who's ever felt the sting of somebody being sarcastic I tell you where it really bothers you when you're dealing with customer service people. Oh, I can get mad when I'm calling a company or something and the, and the person on the other, you know, the, the secretary or the, the person on the other line, the customer service reps being sarcastic back to me. I can get very angry, very quick about that. And sarcasm is sometimes the tool used by the unimaginative and the hateful. Well, sometimes we need to be careful among each other. Sarcasm can be very irritating. Number three, selfish and self-absorbed people. People that just think the whole world's about them, and they, they don't think that there's any other reason than to gather, but to listen to them and to hear them, and everybody should be involved with what they're doing, and they're not interested in all what anybody else is doing. Well, that can be very irritating. There's always those know-it-all people, those people that no matter uh, what you're talking about, they know more about it than you. Very irritating to be around a know-it-all, people that correct you and and, well, I tell you, people that correct your English, you ever have people do that? Listen, I'm 47 years old. This is how I talk. My mother tried to teach me correct. It didn't take. I went through 12 years of college. I'm not at all ignorant. This is just how I choose to talk. This is a choice, amen? It's how I talk when me and my buddies are hanging out, and I'm just an old country boy. Now, when I want to pour it on and be educated, I know how to talk that way. I know how to give speeches, and I know how to write, and I know how to do all the things. But you know what? I don't need somebody to constantly correct my English at 47 years of age. Somebody say amen. But yet, you've been around the people. They're just know-it-alls. They're always correcting you, and, and they're correcting this, correcting that, and it's irritating. Well, churches have the know-it-alls. They know more about the Bible than anybody teaching it. They know more about motherhood than all the other mothers in the church. They know more about the job you work than you work, even though they've never spent one day on your job. They're just, it don't matter what the topic is. They're experts on it. It's so irritating. And we've all done it. We've all had it done to us. And here's the thing. Somehow we think when we're doing it, it's warranted. You ever notice when you're being sarcastic, you think that you're being charming and intelligent? When somebody else is being sarcastic, they're being jerks. 
Isn't that how it works? Hey, some people that are irritating can be, do things to purposely push your buttons in order to evoke a response or attention from you. Sometimes people know that there's a touchy topic and they'll bring it up in front of you. They'll bring up politics. They'll bring up this guy knowing you voted for him. They'll bring up uh, things they know that you're not really comfortable talking about and they'll get right in front of you and do it every time. There's people that know how to push your buttons. There are people that are irritating because they're pushy or overzealous. They won't take polite declines or excuses as a no. They just keep pushing and pushing when they can tell that you're uncomfortable with this, but they just keep coming at you. That can be very irritating. Once you tell them no, you want them to leave you alone. But in every social gathering, there's people that are just pushy and overzealous. And that causes irritations. Sometimes in church, maybe it's a Sunday school teacher who comes to you and says, hey, I got a brand new class. I want you to come. And you look at him and decline politely and say, I'm not interested. And then he comes back to you a few weeks later and invites you again. And sometimes people can say, this is getting irritating and I'm not coming back to church because he's being pushy or too zealous. I, I've already politely told him no. And I'm feeling uncomfortable now. Well, sometimes there's people that are just a little more pushy, a little more overzealous. And sometimes that irritates you. I don't think they mean to irritate you. I think they're trying to motivate you. But it has an adverse effect sometimes. Some people are just whiny. And that's irritating. Every word out of their mouth is whining and complaining. You ask them, how's your day been? You always regret it after you ask. By the way, let me just point out something that some of you may not realize. In the Southern America, here in the South, there are certain things that are part of our vernacular. Some of you are Yankees from up north, especially you New Yorkers. How many of you are New Yorkers? Raise your hand. I'm talking to y'all. How many of you are New Jerseyans? Raise your hand. How many of you are from Ohio, Midwest? I've got to explain this to y'all. And I feel this is important. I was born in Walnut Ridge, Arkansas. Raised in the South, man. When somebody asks you, how's it going? Here's the truth about that question. They don't really care. Can somebody say amen? Hey, man, good to see you. How you doing? They're not asking that for real. They don't really care how you're doing. They don't really want to know about your blister on your toe that's been oozing pus for days. They don't want to hear about it. They're not interested in it. It's just what, the, it's like saying hello in the South. It's part of our culture. Get a seat, get a seat. Listen, if you go out, I'm not letting you come back in. You've already been up like four times. So make your choice now. Either go out or come in, but I, you can't keep distracting me, okay? I love you, but guys, this has got to stop. All right. Now I don't even know. i got to start at the very beginning of my sermon now. Everybody go to Romans 14. i got to start over. Rewind. Now, there are people, every time you talk to them, it's about how bad their finances are, about how bad their marriage is, it's about how big a jerk their kids are, and you're just going along trying to be nice. Hey, good to see you. How are you doing? And they stand there and tell you for the next hour. And you're like, and if you walk away, this is, where you, this is what's happened to me. I'm in the hall heading to Sunday school. Hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. Oh, preacher. Then I'm like, now I'm thinking, oh, I wish I hadn't asked. 
And I'm looking at my watch, and Sunday school's starting, and they're waiting on me, and they're thinking, oh, I see how it's like. I see what it's like. You ask me how I'm doing, and when I tell you that my husband's a big, fat jerk, you ain't got no time to hear what I got to say. Oh, go ahead and get to your little thing. It's more important. It's like, woo. Now, I'm just trying to help you understand. I will ask you at points in the hallway or at the back door, hey, how you doing? That's just the southern in me coming out. Now, when I really want to know how you're doing, there's a difference in how I'm going to ask it. How many of you know the difference? And how many of you have ever had me ask you in the different way? Usually, this is how I'll do it. This is, come up here. Let me explain how southern things work here. Get over here. Because I don't want to be irritating to you. Hey, man, good to see you. How's it going, man? Hey, glad you're here today. <laughs> now, how many of you have had me or somebody else do that? How many of you have had your boss at work as he sees you in the hall come by? Hey, good to see you. How you doing? Good. All right. Get back to work. <laughs> and what's funny is you'll, this is how it'll go. All right, I'm going to ask you how you're doing. I want you to start telling me how you're doing. All right, come over here. I'm a boss at work. I'm coming across this floor. I run into the guy who's in charge of mixing the paint. I come across Hey, Mr. Paint Mixer, how you doing, man? Good to see you. How's your mom and them? Good. All right, good to see you, man. Now, he's going to stand there and say, well, he asked me how my mom is, but he didn't care. Because I started to tell him, and he walked off. Now, guys, you've got to realize that sometimes that happens just in people reacting with each other, and it's just the way it works. He didn't mean to hurt the guy's feeling, and it was a rhetorical question. But now, let me tell you the difference. Hey, man, good to see you. Hey, your mom's in the hospital. Notice my hand here? It's not a... It's a... A lot of times, if I'm really trying to get your attention, I'll have a double hand on you. And I'll look you right in the eye, and I'll say, How, how's your mom doing? Better. It, did the surgery go good? Yeah. Wow, it, what, do they, what do they think is going to happen? It'll be good. It'll be good? Man, I know it's got to be rough. He's getting... I'm irritating him right now your girlfriend decide to come back and be your girlfriend again <laughs> last time we spoke you know she said she'd rather date anybody but you did she change her mind nope. she hadn't changed her mind well listen man I hope that gets better I know that's rough I've never had a girlfriend dump me but I hear it's pretty rough man um, I, I hope you get through this just remember just remember even a broken clock's right twice a day can't be bad all the time for you okay and you understand the difference. And you know, a lot of you spend time irritated and mad at people because of this simple. People get mad because they'll say, well, I went up to the preacher at the back door and started telling him something, and he didn't look interested. Of course not. There's 30 people standing behind you all trying to shake my hand. It's not the time for me to focus on an hour of marriage counseling. You want to talk to me private, say, preacher, can I talk to you? How many of you ever met me in my office to talk about something private? How many of you saw me not take my calls, turn up my phone, hold messages? You have my undivided attention. People get mad. And I'm just using me as an example. You've gotten mad at people at work. You've gotten mad at your family. You've gotten mad at brothers and sisters, uh, nephews, nieces, cousins. And by the way, you've probably done it to them as well. And you didn't mean to. It wasn't the message you were trying to send. So listen to me. 
realize that that whiny, pessimistic person that's always negative, always down, always needing that ear, you've you got to realize not everybody is in a position to be the ear. You've got to know who you can talk to and who you can't. Some people can't handle hearing other people's problems. And it's not that they don't love you. They're not trained to do it. They don't, they're not comfortable hearing it. People come to church and say, well, I tried to talk to Brother So-and-so, and, 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 and he couldn't get out of there fast enough. Man, he probably just felt uncomfortable hearing it. He wasn't trying to be mean to you. It's just he asked you how you were doing, and you started telling him, and suddenly he realizes this has turned into a real counseling session. I meant for it just to be a pass in the hallway, a quick handshake. You know what I'm trying to say? Now, it's funny, but people have left church over it. It's happened. People got their feelings hurt and mad. Hey, we got to have common sense here. But you need to watch your spirit. Don't be the whiny person. Pick who you talk to. There ought to be some dignity. Not everybody in church, just because it is a ministry, is equipped to hear your personal things. They're just not equipped to hear it. By the way, some people just don't think they can handle another problem. Is that true? Sometimes they've been beat to death themselves. And they just don't feel they can handle. And they might have asked, but just in passing, but not really wanting to know that much. Don't be hurt by it. Hey, some people are pessimistic and down all the time. Some people are untactful. They don't mean to say things to hurt your feelings, but they just don't have any tact. They're the kind of people that'll say things. Even their compliments, you stand there and think, was that a compliment or a backhanded slap? They're just untactful. Some people are moody. Some people are snobby. Some people are bossy. They just want to be in charge of whatever they're going to. They're the ones telling everybody what to do, even when it's not their job to do it. And that irritates people. Some people are very pharisaical. They're very hyper, super showy in their spiritualism. And, and you see that. It irritates you in church. Some people are argumentative. They're fact checkers. They challenge everything you say. And they can't just flow with it. If you say something they don't agree with, they can't just let it go. They're going to... They're going to fact check it, or they're going to argue with it. People in church do that stuff. It's irritating. Some people are bullies. Some people are very hyper. They make you nervous to talk to them. I know that I'm guilty of that a lot. I'm just kind of a hyper person. I know that there's people who feel that, that you know, I make them nervous when I'm around them. Well, I, I get that, and I've tried to work on it. Some people have a Jackal, Dr. Jekyll and, and Hyde syndrome. You, know, you just never know what personality is going to be here today. One minute they're nice, one minute they're horrible. One minute they're friendly, one minute they're a big jerk. And depending on when you catch them, how you catch them, that's how they behave. And it becomes very confusing and irritating. Some people, you see them on Sunday morning, they say hi. The next Sunday morning, they walk right by you, don't even speak to you. People do that kind of stuff. I don't know why, but they do. You have to deal with it. If you're going to be around people. Some people have weird humor. Their sense of humor is just weird. And they're laughing, but you're, they hurt you. They didn't realize they're hurting you. It's just their weird sense of humor. They weren't trying to hurt you. They were trying to make you laugh, but it just came out wrong with their weird sense of humor. Hey, some people are easily hurt and offended. Every time you talk to them, you feel like you have to write them an apology note the next day. You send them a text on Monday. Listen, if I could tell when we were talking, you walked away a little upset. You know, you're texting them. I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. You know, you'll do that two or three times, and then you'll just kind of write that person off. That person's way too touchy. I mean, people are only going to grovel so much for your attention. Hey, some people are just crude and rude, and they're irritating. The way they speak, the way they talk, they're just crude and rude, and that irritates people. These are things that, that in social settings, I listed 21 things there, 
that people do that are irritating. Now, we've all dealt with that. We've all been that at times. Now, let me give you this, and I'm going to give you the final things, and we're going to go home. Are you all ready? Several realities to consider. Number one, I've got to move fast, so don't try to write these down. For 1995, I'll sell you a CD. 1995. Hey, number one, not everyone is like you. Are you aware of that? You get irritated at people because not everyone is like you. Number two, you can't always control who you have to interact with. You're not always in control of who you get to set by, who you have to work with, who you have to go to Sunday school with, who goes to this church. I cannot form a church that makes individual members happy. There are family members here that I love and everybody else loves, but they grind you the wrong way. We can't run everybody out to make you happy. Amen? You, you, you can't always control who you have to interact with. There's times that you're going to have to be around people that irritate you, and the key is not running away or, or making them leave, but sometimes it's about how to deal with it. Number three, you can't change others to become someone less irritating to you. You try to change people and see where that gets you. It doesn't go very far. Number four, you must learn the discipline it takes to coexist in peace with irritating people. You have to learn this thing. It's not something that we naturally have. We have to learn to do this. It's a discipline that comes with character. Number five, and catch this, your happiness in life greatly depends on your ability to get along with irritating people. Did you know that? It, it depends on it. There's a lot of people that are very miserable, very sad, because they can't, can't come to grounds with this thing. Number six, when you react to irritating people, you are the one that usually looks bad, or at least just as bad. When you blow up at that irritating person, it seems like you're the one that looks bad in the situation, or you look just as bad in that situation. Is that true? I got a big old scar on my lip to this day. It happened when I was 16. I'm 47 now, so it's been on there quite a while. 30, 31 years? Big old scar. You look at my tongue right now. You ever notice when you touch something with your tongue, it seems like it's gargantuan? Like right now, it feels like it's a scar that's about three foot long. It's really kind of small. But Basketball game. Billy Hopper, my arch enemy, played for Hanalani Christian School. They were our rivals. Man, I was having a particularly good day. He was guarding me man-to-man, -man, and I was lighting him up. I did a spin move on him, came down, scored. I turned around. He just punched me right in the mouth. I mean, it lit my, it, my lip, it just split it open. We had white jerseys, white, you know, and it was just blood everywhere. You know how lips bleed? It stunned me. I stumbled back for a second, and I'm like, whoa. So I did what any red-blooded American man would do. I knelt in the court and started to pray for him. No, I punched him back. I was, like, I was like, whoa. You know what happened? Referee gave me a technical and kicked me out of the game, and Billy got to stay in. The referee didn't see what Billy did. He saw me react to Billy's action. And you know what I've learned socially? People don't see the initial, original irritation. They see the church member that blows up at another church member in reaction to it, and you look, you're the one that looks bad or... In, in any case, you look just as bad. Am I right about that? It takes wisdom, doesn't it? Somebody said one time, never argue with a fool. 
because a bystander may not be able to tell which is which. And I find that to be true. Answer not a fool for his folly, the Bible says in Proverbs 26. Now, here's the final part of it. Y'all ready for the, the real meat of this whole thing? This is the solution. By the way, 21 things that irritate people. Search your soul. Are you doing those things to people in your life? Are you the know-it-all in, in your circle? Somebody's telling you about something they read, and you're on the Internet checking it to correct them. Just let it go. You don't have let it go. Why do you care? Because it's wrong. It's exhausting. Let it go. Instead of having an, uh, now you got bad blood. Bad blood. Especially when listen, you women want to have bad blood, just go fact check some woman at work tomorrow while she's telling a story. Now she may not say anything to you, she may look at you and smile. That smile is not really a smile. It's teeth that are being gritted. She's thinking, all right, gloves are off. You go ahead. You made me look bad. That's all right. It's all right. You're going to have to sleep sometime. Now there's vengefulness. Bad blood going on. You wait till the next time you say something, I can put you in your place. And you get started. Now you've got two irritating people for everybody else in the whole room. Here's the thing, I'm going to be done here. Here we go. These are some thought exercises to help you cope with irritating people of your life. Y'all ready for some thought exercises? Now, the best thing would be irritating people. You can just take them out. But it doesn't seem to be an option, does it? No. Unless you're part of the mafia or something like that, I'd suggest stay away from that. Number one. Boy, this one's going to make you sick. This is the one that all Christians dread hearing. You ready? Ready to get angry? Here we go. Somebody to irritate you. Thought exercise number one. Pray for them. There it goes. In most cases, it's not going to change them, but it may change your heart towards them. You need to pray for the ability and patience to deal with them in a Christian way. Chances are they're not going to change, but you need to pray for your ability to deal with them in Christian love and in Christian harmony. Pray for them will help you. Number two, be good to them always and anyway. No matter how they are, be good. I mean, do, you're going to do this. You're going to be good to them because, number one, who you are. Who you are. Number two, because of whose you are. You're a child of God, and children reflect their parents. I believe that Jesus already demonstrated to us how he handles irritating people. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They spat in his face and said, you're, you're Jesus. Tell us who spat in your face. And he just loved them anyway. Now, that's, that's a character level most of us will never achieve, but it is the goal. But in any case, we belong to Christ. We need to reflect his characteristics, not our own. And we need to be good because of who we belong to. Number three, because of who we represent. We represent Christ. We're his ambassador. Number, letter D there, because of the greater good of unity, we need to be good always and anyways. Preacher, you don't understand. This is like four weeks in a row that they were irritating in Sunday school. I know it. But be good to them anyway. Because of the greater cause that you're here to accomplish. Number three. Control when you have to be around them. 
Prepare yourself mentally for their antics. Know when you are weak and avoid prolonged contact with them. How many of you can kind of tell when you're just irritated and on the edge and more likely to blow up? Can anybody know? Do you, you know yourself good enough to know that? There are days, and I'm not kidding you, there's days where I know my spirit is weak right now. And I know if I get an entanglement with something that's irritating, I'm going to handle it badly. Badly. I'm going to overhandle it. I'm going to handle it with a bad spirit. It's not going to be fixed. It's going to be, what's the word? It's not going to be extinguished. It's going to be blown up. You know what I do on those days? Sometimes I keep to myself. I don't walk the halls as much up here. That's the day that some student might get it for doing things they do every day, but today they might really get it. Amen? I avoid it. I don't have a lot of meetings. I try not to get around people when I know my spirit. My testimony has got to be that important that it would be better for me not to deal with it today than to deal with it with a bad spirit. You've got to know yourself that way. Control when you have to be around them. Number four, have a sense of humor and don't take them seriously. Learn to laugh about it all. Learn to just laugh about it. Hey, what would life be if everybody acted the same anyway? Well, not, there's no spice to that. What would you talk about at dinner with your wife if nobody at work was ever irritating? If nobody ever did anything stupid, what would you talk about over lunch with your best friend next week? Amen? Can you imagine a life where everybody just was super smart and intelligent and never messed up? And I mean, what would you watch on YouTube if people didn't slip and fall and get hurt? You know what I'm saying? Hey, develop a sense of humor about it. Number five, give them benefit of the doubt that they don't know that they are being irritating. And I, I truly believe most people that have irritated me did not realize they were irritating me, and it wasn't their goal to irritate me. They were just being themselves. And I've done that. I've irritated people, Brother Xavier. But I didn't get up that morning and say, my goal is to go out today and irritate, you know, Miss Terrell, I'm going to do everything I can to irritate that woman. She's very irritating because it's hard to irritate her. Am I right? She's one of those, you can come up to her and smart off and she'll just smile at you. Say, well, praise the Lord. This lady was really rude to you yesterday about soul winning. She just stood out in her yard and had a prayer for her. Am I right? Isn't that what your mom did? You guys were out there together. Angelica was with you. We knocked on the door. She got mad because you asked her if she was going to heaven. Told you to get off her lawn. <laughs> I just can't imagine saying that to you, Miss Terrell, because you're so sweet. That woman got irate. You know, you didn't, you just had a sweet spirit. You got in the van and you talked, telling me about it, laughing about it. And you said y'all had prayer for her out in your, when you walked out of the lawn. I think I would have wanted to have maybe lit a bag on fire and put it on her porch full of some foreign substances. Just kidding. I have never done that for the record. Never done it. There's always tomorrow. Amen. I'm just about done. Got to give them benefit of the doubt, folks. Most people aren't trying to ruin your day. They're just not. You're, by the way, we're not usually that important either. Number six. Learn from them their weakness 
can make you take inventory of your own traits. If people are irritating you, you ought to look at yourself and say, do I do that to other people? That irritates me when somebody's condescending. Am I condescending? That irritates me when people speak to me with sarcasm. Wait a minute. Do I do that to people? It ought to make us better people sometimes dealing with irritating people. All right? Y'all getting a lot out of this, aren't you? Anybody getting anything out of this? Number seven, learn to pity them rather than hate them. Feel bad that they have such low wisdom, poor training and social skills. Feel sorry for them that they have poor control of themselves. You wouldn't want to be viewed the way they're viewed, and you should break your heart for them. Um, feel sad that there are people that have to be dreaded instead of loved. There are people, even in church, that you kind of dread seeing. And that's sad to me. I wish that they were the kind of people that you could love seeing. Makes me sad that that's the testimony they've earned for themselves. Just be glad it's not you. And make sure it's not you. Make sure you're not that person. Hey, number eight. Now I'm just about done. I, got, I had ten points. Try to communicate peaceably to them that are offending you. Try to communicate peacefully to them that they are offending you. Sometimes you need to sit down with somebody, not when you're angry, but sit down with somebody that's offending you and say, hey, listen, four or five times in the last month I've been with you and you've said this to me. And I know you're not meaning to hurt me, but I want you to understand that hurts my feelings when you do that. That offends me. It's not correct. It's not accurate. However, you need to explain it. But sometimes you just have to have a sit down with somebody and explain you're, you're offending me, you're irritating me. And I need you to stop doing that. If you thought it was funny, I want you to understand it hurts my feelings and please don't do it. Sometimes you have to have that talk. Number nine, always keep your cool. If somebody's irritating you, keep your cool. Stay courteous, stay in control, stay cool. And lastly, if somebody's irritating you, seek to see their good points and values beyond your irritations with them. All people have and do some things really good, and they serve a purpose. Some traits make people really good at one thing, and then that same trait can make them really bad at something else. For instance, a man that's pushy and won't take no for an answer, often he may work as a salesman. And that same trait that irritates you is the same trait that puts hundreds of thousands of dollars in his bank account every year. That's the same trait that makes him a successful salesman. So that trait that's used for good in his life some ways, maybe he's very blunt, and maybe he uses that in what he does, but for you it's very irritating. I don't know, but you know what? That same trait that you find to be irritating may be a very, very valuable trait to him and the success of how he lives his life. Maybe it's what he has to do to survive, or maybe it's just, you know. But the, 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 the reality is, even if he has irritating traits, he probably has very good other traits. And you have to notice those on purpose. Everyone is loved by someone. It's their son, their daughter, their daddy, their brother. And sometimes we can put up with their irritation for the sake of others whom we do love who love them. For instance, you may meet a, a, a boy or you may meet a man at church and you really like him, but you find his wife to be very irritating. And maybe for the good of your friendship with this man who you really respect and like, you can put up with the irritations of his wife because you know that he loves her very much. Or the kid at church to whom you're very close to, the, to their family. Now the kid may be irritated. He may be coming up to you and kicking his chin every Sunday. But you know that his mom and dad love him very much. 
Sometimes you might put up with that because you love them. There's a lot of reasons to put up with irritating people. Hey, in the end, it's one word. It just takes character. Those are some thought exercises. Let's bow for a word of prayer. This morning, I want the practical route. 